So um, happy new year, everybody. Uh, it's 2020 and um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm very, very excited to uh, be with everybody here on the first episode of the new year and of the new decade of Coach's Corner Conversations for Emerging Leaders. Um, <clears throat> forgive me, I'm getting over a little cold. <clears throat> I am your uh, host, Joshua Miller, executive coach and author. And um, today is, I think every, I say this all the time, every show is very special, but um, today is very unique as well because we're talking about toxic bosses, um, how to manage those relationships, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but we're also going to be talking about toxic workplace culture and how you yourself play a role in working in a dynamic that is toxic. So there's a lot to dive into. First and foremost, I just want to thank everybody from around the world who's tuning in right now. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said, I apologize. Getting over a cold. Um, so for everyone out there, uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Um, if you are someone who is either currently <coughs> dealing with a toxic uh, working kind of environment or you are possibly a manager who knows that you're behaving in a way that's toxic or you've been in a situation where this uh, you know the impact of what it looks like emotionally, mentally, physically, Sarah, um, type in the comment section, hashtag toxic workplace or toxic boss. Um, I think it's really important <clears throat> that we start to bring this conversation to the forefront. We talk about culture all the time. We talk about leadership development all the time. As a coach, I work with leaders around improving their ability to lead others and specifically getting out of their own way. And what that looks like is ensuring that <clears throat> they're not creating a toxic environment. So I'm excited because this conversation is going to be coming from the lens of uh, specifically myself as a coach, <clears throat> excuse me, but also um, my guests. And I'm really, really excited because I think some of you uh, know him. Uh, and uh, for some of you others that, that don't know uh, my guest today, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, his name uh, is Michael David Chapman. And I met Michael uh, roughly, I think it was probably like five months ago. And um, one of the things <clears throat> that quickly drew me to um, his content on LinkedIn was his ability <clears throat> to communicate and speak from the heart. And there was specifically an article um, that I read, and it was the one that actually caught my eye um, the most. And it was uh, how I beat a bully with compassion. And for those of you, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that have never read it, I will post that in the uh, in the notes so that you can actually see it. But I thought Mike would be a perfect guest to have today because he is someone who is actually not only um, <clears throat> lived through a very toxic uh, kind of workplace environment and, and relationship with the boss, um, but he also profoundly shared his experience um, in somewhat vivid detail on LinkedIn. And <clears throat> first and foremost, I applaud him for his courage and his vulnerability and for bringing a topic to the forefront, like I said, that most people are either ashamed, embarrassed um, to talk about. So um, without really further ado, I want to bring on Michael and, um, and really just thank you, uh, Michael, you're on now. <clears throat> Excuse me for my coughing. Thank you for being on the show. Um, you know I'm a huge, a huge fan of your work. And although I've only been on uh, LinkedIn with you for about five months, um, your writing constantly um, checks my my head, but also my heart. And um, I couldn't have thought of a better person to have on the show today to talk about how to deal and manage in a toxic workplace, the toxic manager. So first and foremost, happy new year, my friend. Thank you for being on here. Um, and I think what I'd love to do is just start, <clears throat> maybe tell people a little bit at a high level, um, you know, why this is such an important uh, topic for you and why you wrote that article. And then we can jump into the specifics around uh, toxic workplace environment. Yeah, so it's a big deal because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're born for and we exist for connection, among other things. And when you have you spend a lot of time at work and I've been in scenarios where 
early in my career, I probably had some toxic stuff that I did yeah. out of ignorance and immaturity. Uh, but really what brought it to the forefront and the, and the post you're talking about was the end result. It's a lot of the writing that I did. Uh, really just at a high level, 2013, two painful roads came together. Yeah. I had, I went into, you know, a second divorce that was extremely toxic and professionally I was in a toxic environment. And so it's hard enough when you're in a toxic work environment Yeah. to, to then come home and have that too. And again, a lot of that was my own hand, but um, it was a very painful season. So uh, I've written a lot about it because at the time I could not leave for the job. Yeah. I couldn't just quit. I wasn't yeah. in that position. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and thanks for sharing that. I think the biggest thing that I want people to get to, to take away from what you just shared, <clears throat> excuse me, is that. And I can't stress this enough. So I, for people listening, just take this in. We all every single one of us, including myself, we're all dealing with <clears throat> battling some sort of personal stuff. We all have stuff that we're dealing with, right? It doesn't always have to be bad, but let's just say that it takes an emotional um, uh, baggage or weight on us, right? And we do our best to compartmentalize our personal life with our professional life. Now, as a coach and as someone firsthand who also gets coached, I can tell you that that struggle <clears throat> is, I don't know, I think exhausting at best. And, and, and the reality is, is that you're the same person outside and inside work, right? And so, to try our best, which is what we do, to not bring the stuff from outside into the workplace is smart, it's responsible, it's professional, but it's exhausting unto itself. And then when you're dealing with some issue, financial, emotional, mental, um, <clears throat> relationship, whatever it is, and then you have to go to work and you feel beaten down, you feel disempowered, that sucks. It's hard, at, it, and, and I wish that upon no one. And so, um, for those listening out here, I, I really want you to listen from a place that, first and foremost, if you are dealing with this, there is hope, right? This is not like, oh, my God, it's all doom and gloom. Um, but what we are going to do today and what Michael and I discussed <clears throat> is we want to break this down really into three very specific and almost actionable conversation points. And the first thing that we want to talk about, and we're just going to jump right into it, <clears throat> excuse me, is... What is a toxic boss? Because I know for myself, having been interviewed on this topic before and talked about it, I, as, a, as a coach, I work with leaders, right, and to ensure that they're not leading in a toxic way. And there's tons of articles out there that are great. However, what they do <clears throat> typically is they look at it from a psychological lens or from this third person, almost fishbowl lens. So what Michael and I are going to talk about is firsthand experience what what is a toxic boss so michael why don't you just run with it i mean you've got some things on the screen here that you um <clears throat> had shared with me which was you know toxic bosses typically they don't listen um they take credit they're not responsible they micromanage they gossip um this last one <clears throat> i'd love for you to kind of double uh double click on which is they're more of a friend than a boss so help me help help the listeners understand a little bit more about this please well, this one, and so I think it's fair to say that I want to be clear. You're not, if if you have a hard time listening, you're not toxic. I don't think that. I think it's a combination, and there's a lot of definitions up to your point. But yeah, just looking at the screen, like I just picked some that were really relevant in my yeah. last uh, professional position. And so what happened with the the previous four, I was living in that and others. But then when we when we would take clients to football games. He became a friend. Interesting. And so it's kind of like the parent who doesn't discipline his or her child for jumping on the couch like kids do. But then when the kid, you know, it's OK, it's OK. Yeah. But then, you know, this might not be the best example. But when when their friends come over, they're embarrassed, and you know, and they smack them. You know, that's that's what it felt like to go do football games in Foxborough and then, you know, deal with the micromanaging or whatever. So there's more to that. But that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so I think <clears throat> there's a couple of things here I think is really important. First of all, for everyone who um, is is leaving comments, thank you so much. Um, if you've got questions for Michael or, uh, or myself, please, please put them in there. Um, and I just want to do a quick shout out to um, where was the person from? <clears throat> excuse me. They just wrote toxic leader. Courtney, um, I won't say your last name and I won't say where you work from. 
But uh, Courtney, I see you. We thank you. Um, <clears throat> so here's the thing, right? Toxic bosses, I agree with you, Michael. Um, they, they don't listen, right? Um, mm -hmm. They inherently like to take credit. Um, and as a result, I, I believe that's irresponsible professionally. The micromanaging thing, um, I've seen that, and it usually comes from a place of insecurity. People that typically need to micromanage, um, it's a control thing. And so there's a fear of what happens if, you know, God forbid, things don't work out a certain way. Um, the whole friend and a boss thing, I think, is fascinating because we all know, well, I shouldn't say we all know. I, I, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that <clears throat> as a manager, and I've been a people manager in, in, in my past life, um, there's a very fine line between being their friend and being there for them to support them. Right. Almost like unattached. And so I, I believe that a toxic boss <clears throat> is anybody who doesn't support you. who doesn't empower you. Who's not out there to champion your uh, development. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think <clears throat> a toxic boss can be somebody who um, disempowers um, oneself. Right. So we talk about they're depleting, they're depleting internal by their behavior. Yeah. Poor behavior. They are depleting emotional and in some cases, intellectual resources, oftentimes unseen. Yeah. Say, so say a little bit more about that when you talk about unseen, because <clears throat> I think a lot of people feel like, well, how do I know, right? And, and this, we're going to kind of get into that in a moment. How do I know if I'm working for a toxic boss? But just at the highest level, the toxicity or a, a toxic boss, <clears throat> I would also argue, <clears throat> is, is somebody who, you know, if they're a boss, right, we're, we're assuming that they're managing people, right? So they're a people manager. Um, however, they really don't either know what they're doing, don't care to learn what to do, right? And they're kind of just driving their own agenda and they're not putting their people first. And I also think that that is toxic. Right. I mean, toxicity is a huge is a huge word. It's almost it's almost depleted like authenticity. But I, I think with toxicity, <clears throat> we really need to be clear that there's no good toxic. Right. Have you ever met a good toxic something? Well, it's like a little bit of poison killed nobody. I mean, like it's <laughs> so, so it's, right. I mean, come on. So the unseen, I'll use the micromanager and the gossiper. I mean, the obvious with the gossiper, I mean, that's that's always at times unseen. But let's use the micromanager example. Sure. When you micromanage me, intrinsically what you're saying, and among other things, is you don't trust me. And so when I don't feel trusted, okay, uh -huh. seen, unseen, I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to be afraid. I am yeah. probably not going <clears> to <throat> put forth my best work in a work environment where innovation yeah. and creativity is – is a premium to grow the top and bottom line. Yeah. I'm not going to feel the freedom to do that. And that's not seen <clears throat> until it starts to erode. Right. So maybe we should segue. Well, actually, before we segue, I want to ask you. So you were in a, in a, in a working relationship where you had a toxic boss, right? Yeah. I think <clears throat> the other thing, and this just naturally segues in the next piece of this, but you know, for those people that may be listening in and saying, hey, <clears throat> I don't like my boss, but I don't know if he or she is toxic. How do we delineate, right, between what is a personal opinion? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. I'm asking you as someone who's worked very intimately in an environment for a toxic boss. How do you how do you draw the lines between, hey, I just don't like him or her. And then they're actually toxic. Right. Objectivity. Okay. You've got to put again, unless you're like in imminent danger because of their toxicity or physical harm, because there's there's cases of that. Sure. You've got to find, you know, find, establish and protect objectivity, because, again, in my case, I when I left toxic work, I was doing toxic breakup. So when the filter when my filter on what's toxic, I mean, having a boss that struggles to listen doesn't make them, you know, toxic. It's a toxic. It's it's a potentially toxic characteristic that can, that can become really toxic, I guess, is how you say that. Sure. But what I'm saying is if the filter in which I see that characteristic that's not working. Yeah. It's just a one off. Not not a good listener is toxic because I'm toxic. 
everybody's toxic. So you've got to establish and protect objectivity. So <clears throat> the next slide we're going to talk about is how for how do people know? Like, what are the signs that your situation needs to improve? Yeah. But before we want to get to that, you just said something I think is really, really important, which is you being toxic. Like we yeah. talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, the manager being toxic. But I think you bring up a, an incredibly critical component to this, which is inside of being responsible and taking accountability for oneself. It's easy to point the finger at your boss or your manager and say, <clears throat> hey, he or she is toxic. This place doesn't work for me. This is a bad company, bad role, whatever, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. However, you have to, well, I don't want to say you have to. I invite people to really consider what is the role that they're playing in this dynamic, right? Because one of the things that I really appreciated about your um, article that you wrote, your post about, um, you know, being bullied into compassion is that you had to take a hard look at your role in the relationship. And just like any relationship, whether it's personal or professional, we all play a role. And so it's easy to point accountability and blame on the other side. But I'd love to hear from you what it means to own your own toxicity as it relates to the workplace. Yeah, that's broad. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we see this has been around since the beginning of time. Sure. We see in other people what we don't like. So yeah. for sure, you know, I could see in him things that, that I had been maybe in a previous leadership role, but they were going on. Yeah. So what what the way I did it, um, I had a couple of mentors for sure, but I did a lot of writing. You know, I was working to give you some context. If you look at New England, I was living up by Portsmouth, driving down south of Boston yeah. and all over New England. And so after those, I had a lot of road time and I had a lot of, you know, <laughs> overnight stays. So I did a lot of journaling of those experiences. I remember getting in my car after getting screamed at <laughs> regularly yeah. and just separating it, you know, cuss words and all. But yeah. on a piece of on a usually on a cell phone and letting the words stare me back in the face, yeah. which when the words stare you back in the face and you've got that going on, yeah, it typically will for me it separated it. Yeah, it didn't make it okay, but it helped me see what was going on with Michael as well. Well, you know, so it's interesting. There's a couple of things. Number one is um, I remember the first time I worked for a toxic boss, mm. and um, this was back in before I got into coaching and learning and development. And I was working in the advertising world. Um, I won't name his name. I, I'm pretty sure he's alive. I don't know if he's on LinkedIn. Um, but what I remember is that um, now I'm going to first tell you my experience, and then I'll tell you in, in at you know hindsight's 2020 what I see I, my role was. But <clears throat> he worked me to the to the bone. Now you could argue, well, you're early 20s. You know that's that's what you do and hustle and grind and all this other stuff. But the reality is that I think he was threatened by my drive and my new way of doing things because yeah. I was 25 years younger than him. Right. Um, and my sense after about a year and a half of working with him or for him <clears throat> was that he was, you know, threatened. But I now look back at how did I enable that relationship in a toxic way? And there's certain things that I can look back and say, well, I could have pushed back on this. I could have lightened up on the way I did this. I could have just had an actual conversation and said, hey, I get the feeling that there's blank, blank, blank between us. Like there's a lot of things I could have done. I didn't do those things. Now you could argue, well, I was 21 years old. What do I know? Whatever. Right. But what what happened a year into that kind of uh, working relationship is that I was miserable. Like I, I called in sick. I didn't want to go to work. Like all the all the signs, you know, it's Sunday. Like people don't want to go to work the next day. They ruin their present weekend at that moment. So I know <clears throat> what it's like to work for someone who's toxic. But really from the lens of how much toxicity did I bring to it? And I just think it's really important that people check themselves. Right. So. I want to talk about. Yeah. yeah where you said. Well, just on the, just the other thing about the writing and yeah. the objectivity. You know, so so a lot of this experience with this this the owner of the company was a lot of it was a lot of bite or a lot of bark. I'm sorry. Okay. Garbage bark. And when when you're in that in the moment, it can feel visceral. It can feel potentially violent, yeah. right? That's completely legitimate. But when you could stick, it was I was able to separate the two and really realize over time this was the same playbook this guy was running. Yeah. 
and never did anything, you know, never acted on the threats. Just want to make that point around the anxiety, fear and other things. Well, so that's what we're talking about, right? What are the signs that your situation needs to improve? Yeah. So some of the things that you had told me was anxiety. You fear them. <clears throat> excuse me. Unfulfilled professional fruitions, which I think is just a very nice way of saying um, you don't feel like your career is going anywhere. Mm. Right. I mean, you're in a rut. I mean, if you I think if you feel and I, and I don't think we need to overcomplicate this, I would just ask somebody and don't think about it. Do you think you're working in a, in a toxic environment, meaning you're working for a manager, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically where he or she is not supporting your best mm. interest? It's not it, it's not a complicated question. Um, the challenge, I think, is that people want to answer it from their head. So that confuses them. But if they've got quiet and really thought about it from their heart, the answers are usually pretty clear. Right. And I think as a coach, when I've met people or talked to people who are not happy with their jobs or their careers or whatever it may be, <clears throat> I'm always listening for two things the environment that they're currently working in, and then what's the role that they're playing, right, from an accountability standpoint. Um, <clears throat> just real quick, I want to shout out to um, Sahib, to Brian, to Andy. Um, thank you for tuning in. For Kristen, the Bahamas, Canada, Atlanta, Derek. There's a lot of people that are, are um, who are listening right now, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate it <clears throat> not selfishly, not for myself, for Michael, because, like I said before, I really do believe that this is a topic that needs to consistently be addressed because we talk about culture all the time. We talk about leadership. We talk about a lot of things, but we also need to talk about what to do when the culture is toxic or you're in that kind of situation. Um, anything else you want to add, Michael? Well, I just want to honor a question. Karen Bonner just made it. Can you reason with a toxic boss? The short answer here is yeah. um, how do you reason with children? And that's, I know that's, it's very difficult to reason with an impetulant child. What happens, how you reason with a toxic boss is you, and this is probably the segue where we're going, you got to get set. Your behaviors will reason Yeah. the unreasonable behaviors of a toxic boss. So with words, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, if they're genuinely toxic, but again, you know, you've seen it. We've all seen it. We've gone to the grocery store, just a child that's losing their mind. Yeah. You know, when you get to that, no, I don't think you reason with it. Your behaviors will reason your space, will create space that is reasonable in their unreasonable behaviors. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think that um, I forget what the, the, the phrase or the quote is. It's something about, you know, um, serving poison to someone else and drinking it and thinking that, you know, whatever that famous thing is. I, I yeah. Ironically, I always think of the, the movie Princess Bride. Maybe yeah. I'm aging myself. Uh, where they switch the glasses around real quick. Um, <clears throat> but real quick, uh, Ravi from India, Sari from Finland. Um, Kelly wrote in. She said, I worked under a toxic boss for 19 years. He finally left, but he cultivated a toxic environment in your agency. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Kelly. I don't know if you're still there. I, 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 I sounds like you're not. 19 years. Imagine, Michael, if you worked for that person or that person stayed there for 19 years. I don't know. Maybe he is. But I want to call out all organizations, all companies, all leaders. If you know that you've got a toxic manager or a toxic boss in your organization, I really think you owe it to your people to do something about it. Yes, the individual employee has rights and, and they have an accountability and a role to play. But I also believe that the organization does itself. Right. Um, so. Anything else? Because I really want to get to what to do. A lot of what lot to of, do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Right. Because I think this is <clears throat> I think this is really critical. Um, Kristen, by the way, thank you for telling me to drink whiskey for my cough. Uh, it's allergies. But, you know, thank you. All right. <clears throat> so what to do. So for those of you tuning in, um, I did my best to try uh, to um, take my notes and my meeting notes with you, Michael, excuse me, and capture the essence of what you did. And then we can dive into what other people are doing and, and so on and so forth. So you said that it, understand it's about power. And because of their behavior, they are giving their power to you. And I, I definitely think we need to kind of unpack that. You say fortify your center um, and true value first. Um, 
The other things you talked about, as you said, don't go it alone. Have the support systems, which I definitely agree with. Always keep your emotions out of it 100%, although we all know that that's almost challenging, impossible. And then you talk about some potential course of actions, writing it down and reflecting on it. Um, as a coach, I love these. Yeah. Let your circle and mentor read it. <clears throat> Go back to number two, which I think you meant you let your circle read it um, and don't seek retaliation. So let me be quiet. Why don't you kind of unpack this to the audience? Um, because I think this this is what people want to know, right? At this yeah. point, so you're, talk talk to us. Yeah, yeah. So number one, understand it's about power, right? Right. You know, when we're in that situation, it looks like they have all the power. They they own the company. Uh, they write the checks and all that. I get that. But the yeah. reality is, again, you got to go back to the parent-child relationship. Hmm. I mean, our job as parents is to teach our children how to be genuinely powerful and handle conflict emotions. So when they go to the so. Typically, what happens is what I saw over time yeah. when he would behave a certain way, like I'll just sell the company. Yeah. I mean, every time he spoke, he was giving away. He was like showing cards. Interesting. Better, better way to say it. He was showing cards of what was going on on the inside. So that was a threat. I, when, say it again. When he said, oh, I'm just going to sell the company. <clears throat> was that his way of trying to threaten people? Yeah, it was an environment. It was a it was a it was a industry where acquisitions happen all the time. Yeah, it was just it was just the last straw. I mean, we would be discussing something that started very small, but because I didn't bend and I held firm to the position. Yeah. You know, I'll just sell the company, you know, pick up the phone, sell the company like childish. Yeah. So that's that's that sounds powerful, but that's really powerless. So that's number one. And we could we might need to unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. But with that, the fortify your center again for me, uh, not to proselytize for me, that was a faith thing. Yeah. You know, my own beliefs and what I believe, uh, you know, in my faith. Sure. So be centered on your values, your faith and who you are. Yeah. Is critical. So when I'm talking about go back to number two, that's what yeah. I'm talking about there. Okay. Um, don't go it alone. I mean, an isolated person, specifically as a man, so I'll say this to men, but women too, yeah. an isolated leader is easily confused, is easily deceived into the wrong course of action. So isolation is, no, is a normal feeling, but it's the absolute last thing you want to do because you need objectivity you need to vent you need help um keep your emotions out of it i'll be candid i didn't always do that <laughs> well thanks for being honest about it yeah i mean there 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 it was two floors and there were times where people could hear us yeah over time though this was a five-year working relationship over time i learned to say things like one time it was like well if they don't want to sell for us tell them to leave the keys on the desk and I got good at saying, well, listen, there's 10 of them downstairs. Like, I can go do that right now. I mean, like taking out 10 employees would cripple that company. Right. I can go do that now. Kind of like, what do you want to do? Like, right. I'll do that. Right. Um, course of actions is, um, you know, it's, de it's, it's depending on the situation. This is what I did. I wrote it down. Yeah. I journaled every single day and night. Um, I let my circles read it. I had some very good friends, one of them at the company. Yeah. Um, I went back, see, I went back to fortify your center. Yeah. Prayer, you know, say it like that. And, um, I, I, I didn't want to get, I didn't want vengeance. I didn't want to hold. I just knew it by that point, retaliation. Um, some of the stuff probably could have been litigious to be candid. Yeah. I just, I, I knew like, you know, and, and I'm not, for anyone that's in that situation where you're owed something from a legal perspective because of toxic, I don't want to say that that's the wrong thing. What I am saying is, yeah. is whenever we seek retaliation, we are carrying something. And because of where I was personally and professionally, and that at some point I was going to have to like interview for another job, I don't want to carry that no matter what I could have gotten out of it. Well, I want to jump in here because there's some gold in what you're talking about that I, that I love. Number one, I'm a huge believer in journaling, right? Get it out of your head, get it on a paper, ideally with a pencil or pen or crayon. It doesn't matter. Um, mm. If you have to type it out, type it out. But existentially, there's there's actual data and power around um, <clears throat> showing the, um, the effects in a positive way of writing something out, right? Like actually journaling. Um, so I think that's really important because 
And what that will do is it'll help distance you and separate your emotions, right? Get it out. <clears throat> I think the worst thing is, is when people tell you, oh, just let it go. Just move on. I think oh, that's how he is. That's how Joe is. Right. So what that person is doing, A, is enabling that behavior and giving it a pass. And that person could be your best friend. I'm just saying, like, the second thing is their interest is in, maybe in a good place. The second thing is <clears throat> for someone to tell you, um, you know, just move on, they're discrediting your emotional state, right? I'm a big believer in grieving, in self-expression. Let yourself give yourself the space. You owe it to you to process emotionally. We are human beings. We're not robots. We need to process what's going on, right? And there's an impact on us. There's an impact on them, whether they care or you care. And then <clears throat> there's a residual impact on the people in your life, your partner, your kids, your family, um, wh whomever. So it's not an easy thing <clears throat> to simply just say, well, okay, my boss is toxic. I'm leaving. That is easy conceptually. But here's the piece that I want people to really get. And what I've learned as a coach is that if you don't address the feelings, right, and you move on to another job, and this goes back to something you said that I thought was really powerful earlier, Michael, is that you have to take accountability for what toxicity you personally bring to that relationship or that environment. You are carrying that over into the next job or the next office. Now, you could have an amazing manager at the next place, and that doesn't mean it's going to turn toxic because of you. But let's just let's just play out a scenario. You're working for a manager and the relationship is contentious at best and you create anxiety, maybe depression or um, a fear that people are out to get you. You leave. <clears throat> you go to another place. What do you think is going to happen? You're now thinking people are going to be out to get you. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, and in my case, I, and I want to I want to. Uh, answer pose a question that, that Marlo just asked. Yeah. In my case, if you don't work, there's a couple things. If you don't get it on paper, yeah. What happens when you go to your circle? It can turn into the water cooler. Yeah, completely. Okay. So having an objective, like, okay, I think the guy's a jerk, and you know, I hate him, and all that can be over here. But like, what is actually happening? Right. Before you go to your circle, number one. Number two, if I look back at when I interview, when I flew up here from Atlanta to interview, I mean, yeah. it was toxic in the interview. I remember him specifically saying. You know, before we came back up for a house hunting trip, you know, after a couple of drinks, um, you know, the one thing I really value the most is loyalty. Yep. I mean, there was <laughs> when I look back, I mean, so what I'm saying is if you don't deal with what's gone on and take accountability and responsibility, not for your toxic, maybe you're toxic, but responsibility for picking that job. Right. You're going to probably I mean, there's there's a way to continue to pick bad bosses. I mean, all of it's it's very complex, but the key is to get it on paper, get objectivity, get it on paper and, and, and run that playbook until you have a plan, an exit strategy. Yeah, I agree with you. I would also add, be really cautious is the word I'm going to use, because we all have our inner circle, our influence, our orbit, right? The people in mm -hmm. our lives. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm a coach and I've been fortunate to have a coach for 20 years. So I know what it looks like to support someone with with zero emotional attachment, right? You're just committed to someone's success. We, the people in our lives love us. They're going to enable us because they want us to be safe. And, and, and we all should, I hopefully have at least one person in our lives that will do that for us. And I think it's great. Right. But to your point, getting objectivity, I see as getting distance, getting perspective. Mm -hmm. And most yeah. importantly, if you're going to journal anything, Journal, what is the learning? What is the lessons you've learned <clears throat> so that you don't repeat them? Because I think it's it's critical that you do the self-reflection, but you should also walk away with some very clear um, guidelines as to not rinse and repeat at the next job. Fair? Or Yeah. You know, it's so critical because with that, and someone just asked, what, uh, Marlos, what if it's the CEO? In my case, it was, it was the CEO and owner of the company. Right. So... Key, I want to say, it, 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 that's that's a good question, but that's not the. And it's painful when you're in a situation. But the real question is, what playbook am I going to run yeah. to get have clarity, protect myself, and eventually, presumably, because you need to leave and leave in a way where you can continue to support your family, this kind of thing, but not take any of that 
with you because you will take it right into the next relationship. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Marie, um, she said, I think everyone is only human. As of right now, yes, but I know there's robots in the workplace. Uh, a true leader will be able to objectively admit that they responded in a wrong way and changed their pattern. In a perfect world, I don't know how you define true, and I'm not trying to pick this apart, Marie. I love what you wrote. <clears throat> Working so closely with leaders at all levels, um, what I've noticed is that the common thread is they're all human, and human beings are flawed. We're not perfect. So the ones who are really servant and uh, genuine and empathetic and have high levels of uh, EQ are the ones when they mess up, own it, and 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 really res take responsibility for their actions. Right. That's the first piece. The second piece is following through. You can be responsible for what you did by saying, hey, I recognize I did X. Now I'm going to do Y. Thank right. you. Good night. It's the obligation of the company and the leader, but also the employees to hold them accountable. You said you were going to do X. You haven't changed your behavior. And for people listening, if you're in a situation where you have a manager or a boss or a leader <clears throat> who's made a promise to change their behavior and they haven't, and you're recognizing this, then that to me is a red flag. You can call the red flag whatever you want, but if you're talking about self-preservation, happiness, career advancement, so on and so forth, you wanna look at that individual and say, okay, well, there's a disconnect between what he or she says and the actions they're taking. And, and when there's a pattern, yeah. when it's bonus time, I'll give you a good example, when it's bonus time and like, I'm gonna sound like I'm 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 in I'm in the Matrix or a B-rated movie or something. When it's bonus time and the bonus structures are like this nebulous, like I mean, literally, it would feel like what I'm I'm animating now. I mean, like what and you got people reporting to you, and you've yeah. got to know what they're be able to communicate what they're gonna get. And there's one guy that decides, and you don't know where the goal line. Yeah, you knew what they we said the goal line was. Right. But the goal line has changed at the end of the quarter. Yeah. And they do that and they do that. That's toxic. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, That's toxic. I want to challenge that. I agree with you, but I want, I want to add a perspective to that because there are people tuning in and people listening that may work in environments. They could be startups or the culture is one where it's very agile, where they're constantly doing sprint. Now, that's a very specific methodology of how to do work. And it's not always based on technology or tech companies. But if they're constantly moving the goalpost or, or whatever kind of metaphor analogy you want to use, um, and there's not a sound reason behind it. That's what I missed. That's what I left okay. out. Fair enough, right? Because yeah. it, sometimes it's like, hey, we know we need to get to X, and here's the first iteration of how we're going to get there. It, we right. may have to pivot and move. But again, a leader or a boss or a manager who communicates this and says, hey, this is what could happen. This is what we're aiming for. It then sets up the expectation for the employee to not feel like, oh, my God, what just happened? My manager, I can't trust him or her and so on and so forth. There's so many layers and levels to a toxic relationship between an employee and a manager. Um, <clears throat> I, Acknowledgement. You know, it's just yeah. what like it's just what uh, Elaine just said. Yeah. Acknowledging when you're wrong, acknowledging we need to pivot for the health of the company. That's I, I left that out when that when those two go together and you have a pattern. Yeah. You got you got to and we're talking about compensation. Yep. That's in part why we're there. Right. Sure. If not in whole. That's that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I hope I get the name right. So <clears throat> Dr. Carr, Core, K-A-U-R. I apologize if I messed that up. Um, she said a toxic boss is also one who is uh, somewhere insecure of high potential employees. Oh, yeah. I've done that before. Um, <clears throat> I think that was my. Not to say that I was a high potential or high performer, but I do believe that there was a level of threat between me being young and this gentleman being older and probably at the tailor end of his career. Um, one who can think much ahead and perform better, um, et cetera. I think that's great. Now, Brian, who I love, Brian Remo, he asked a question. How do you determine which options may close the gap on issues that may feel toxic versus believing a person is toxic in general? which would lead most to feel despair. Do you get, did you get that one? 
I didn't. It broke up. Tell me. Tell me. Yeah. Tear that so, yeah. so how do you? <laughs> Brian's always got deep things. How do you determine which options may close the gap on issues that may feel toxic versus believing a person uh, is toxic? So. The, the, yeah, I got it. Go. I think he's saying, how do, how, how do I delineate or how do I yeah. separate, you know, hey, I just got threatened. Um, I'm being micromanaged. He just took credit again. It was my all of that. The, the emotion. Was, it's it's that's like it's almost like this. The, the minute you come out of that in moment. Yeah. You've got to get it. I mean, I, I can't say this. No, you got to get it and let it stare you back in the face. I agree. That sucked. He's a jerk. She's a that. This is what just happened. But a lot of people, then you've got to have somebody in your life. It can be your spouse and partner. Sure. They're, but it's got to be somebody who's unbiased. Yeah. To you and only cares about the health and the out, the outcome being healthy. Because that'll separate the two. I agree. But but to help all the people listening, right, <clears throat> excuse me, who may not have a coach or a mentor or an unbiased practitioner of their life that's going to give them that that you know the no bs kind of here's what's really going on um i want to offer up a a a real solution is that if you work in a company and you find to michael's point the the signs are everywhere right and maybe you're journaling maybe you're talking to people nothing is changing you're working potentially on your behavior right you're taking accountability still nothing's changing Go talk to an HR representative in your organization, a business partner, a generalist. Um, There are laws that protect employees around certain workplace types of situations and behaviors. And I want to just be really clear. You have your own responsibility to take care of yourself. Organizations, obviously, their responsibility is to provide resources and solutions. And there's legal ramifications for companies that don't do that. So if you're working in a company and you don't have an HR representative, um, then I would probably question how that company is set up. There should be somebody legally that's dealing with employee relation um, situations and um, initiatives because they're there as an advocate to help you and you should go seek them out. It may not work. It may not turn out in your best interest. I don't know. But I think it's important that we share that with people. So if they're sitting there thinking, well, great, I don't have 16 people or five people or a big network. I don't know who to go to. Maybe the first person you should be looking for is the person that's there in your company. Just want to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The question is, what happens with, you know, you know, HR is toxic. I mean, like we can go go on and on. But the bottom line is. Seeing the issue stare you back in the face and, yep. and finding someone who, again, is not going to let you if you've got some toxicity, it's not going to create a water cooler yeah. of, of bitching and moaning. Yeah, that is not what you need. No. The time for that. What you need, especially if it's going to it could potentially impact how you earn for your family. You need objectivity. No, I Brian's point. Yeah. I, you know, look. <laughs> I often tell my clients when they're having some sort of upset or breakdown, um, <clears throat> I said, look, go be a victim. In fact, go throw yourself a pity party, invite people, whatever it is, but declare at some point that party ends, you do the dishes, the lights go off and you go take action. And this just goes back to you got to journal. you got to allow yourself to be with as, as challenging as be with the pain, be with the emotional discomfort. But you know, one thing we didn't really touch on, and again, it's maybe another conversation, is the mental anguish um, statistically that's been proven when you're working for a toxic manager in a toxic workplace, the, the level of absenteeism rise, um, there's, there's mental depression, um, there's just essentially LOAs or leave of absence. I mean, we could go on and on and on, but I, yeah. I think we, hopefully we've given the audience um, <clears throat> for part one of this conversation, and I'm sure there'll be a part two and three, um, some steps <clears throat> that they can take. Excuse me. Thoughts, Michael? No, every situation is different. I wanted to give a very high level framework. Yeah, go for of it. What, you know, look, the word experts thrown around, you yeah. know, it seems like, you know, and there's a lot of people that know a lot more than me. I was I became an expert on my experience. Sure. 
And I want to recap that, you know, like people said, why didn't you just leave? And it was like, you know, as I I was, you know, as a hiring manager, I did the recruiting. I did the sale. I did, you know, from a leadership perspective, I knew and I knew intrinsically in my gut that leaving was just going to be a replay. I was probably going to take something with me. And I learned to deal with it and learned how to be powerful in what seemed like a powerless situation. That's not for everybody. Yeah. That's just not for everybody. And I'll be honest with you, I probably had some PTSD along the way or after the fact. I mean, not trusting people and this kind of thing. Yeah. What I want to say is objectivity, okay, and 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 protecting that is is key. Yeah. That's that's probably the one thing that's transferable across every toxic situation. No, I I I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, <clears throat> before we wrap, I just want to there's some people that are are asking questions um, and actually saying some really spot on stuff. Tara Davidson, um, she said, yes, leave the baggage there. Get distance and perspective, 100%. Identify your area of opportunity. Um, she's HR operations. It's, yeah, she, that's a very, uh, it's a very specific area of opportunity is a great, great phrase. To learn and grow from the experience. You have to. We've been talking about that. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Sahib, you know, you have to protect your objectivity, 100%. Um, Brian said, um, not acknowledging, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, this was Elaine said that to Brian, yes, not acknowledging our part in a situation will lead to us making the same mistakes over and over until we learn to do yeah. things differently, right? Some people learn that, some people, it's a lifetime. Uh, Brian went on to say the, um, this concept is why divorce rates are worse for mm-hmm. second and third marriages as people fail to look at their own issues. I would argue that it's divorce, not just in uh, marital terms, but divorce in general, divorce from oh, right. relationship. Yeah. Um, Brian goes on to say a real apology. Now, this is interesting. Acknowledge the wrongdoing, express your understanding of your behaviors, create intentional plan to avoid recycling the same issues. I, I agree. And I appreciate that. Um, any other comments, anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? I, I we could go on and on and on. But, yeah. Martin, I want to Martin just to give us, you know, reflecting on this makes sense. But how much is enough? Right. My concern would be people reflect on these things too much. That's an excellent question of, yep. and a great way to end. You know how you know how how it came to an end. Yeah. I got to the point when I came up for like air on the personal side. Yeah. It wasn't until like um, the spring slash summer of 2017. And once I did, <laughs> I've shared this story. But I, one of my best mentors, you know, we're on the 15th hole, uh, 15th green of the golf course. You know, I'm telling him, you know, he knew he'd worked and he just grabbed me by the shoulders and he just said, just blanking leave yeah right so yeah. He, to martin's point i was going around and what about the job and i live in new england <laughs> and I'm forced to relocate. you yeah. know to his point there does come a point and again but get what the common denominator is objectivity that yeah. same person that took me by the shoulders had worked for this person worked for me and saw this play out for the previous 10 years yeah objectivity objectivity is, is the key and i hope people are really listening to what michael's sharing because he knows firsthand but I think the other thing, Michael, is that you and I appreciate you. I always appreciate you, but I appreciate you saying that <clears throat> this is your story, your journal. Uh, you're not an expert. You're an expert in your life and your situation. That being said, I wanted you on here because I think a lot of people can relate to your story. And I know there are a lot of people because I read all the comments from your original post about a year ago that um, I think identify or empathize with it. You know, I I don't wish for anybody to be in a workplace situation where they're disempowered, they feel um, embarrassed or ashamed, or quite honestly, they just don't want to be at work. Think about how many hours statistically we spend there. And to have it be an experience where you are not being able to show up at your best, um, it breaks, it really breaks my heart. It it, it disappoints me. The one thing I want to say real quick, Marlo had said, and maybe you touched on this, is, you know, what if it's the CEO? Well, here's what I will say about that. If you have a CEO and you know that the toxicity is 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 coming, cascading from top down, um, you'll have to make your own decision as to how much permeation that toxicity is actually sinking into the roots of the culture, meaning how far down into the layers of the organization is it felt, because. It, it's it's a lot more challenging to change the behavior of one individual at the top, um, I think, personally, 
um, but it's not impossible. At the end of the day, and this goes back to what you said earlier, <clears throat> you will know in your heart, not so much in your head, if it's time to move on or it's time to change your situation because you don't feel that you are acknowledged, empowered, or, or quite honestly set up for success. And I think both Michael and I um, really want people to walk away knowing that they deserve that. Um, sure. <clears throat> so we're going to put a pin in this. I think there'll be a part two and a part three. Um, I think for anybody who doesn't know uh, Michael David Chapman, um, <clears throat> he's, he's all over LinkedIn. And if you're interested in connecting with him and you aren't connected with him now, um, his information is, is on the screen. Um, you can find him, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, of course. And um, I just want to thank you so much, my friend. Um, yeah, you know, I've only known you for less than like six months, but <clears throat> you have been a tremendous source of personal insight and inspiration. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy reading everything that you put out there. Um, I've said this before and, and I mean it and I know you do. You get this is that, you know, you speak to my heart, not just my head. And there are not a lot of people out there on this platform and other social media platforms that actually have the ability to do that. So um, much respect, much love. I wish you all the best in the new year. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the friendship and the opportunity to share again, just to leave everybody like this. Th there's no silver bullets. There's some common denominators. Everyone's situation is different. This was mine. And I hope it's been helpful. It's been a, it's been an honor to be on for sure. Uh, well, I'm going to have you back. And um, <coughs> excuse me. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in um, next week. <coughs> excuse me. We'll be back uh, on uh, Wednesdays now. And um, the topic we are going to be talking about is men versus women managers um, is one better than the other. And uh, I'm going to have a special guest come on and we're going to talk and debate about it won't that. be me. Say again. It won't be me. It won't be Michael. Not for this one. I mean, I could try to do that, but I, I think that would be a different experience for <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Um, as always, to everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your time. I know that it's valuable. Thank you for lending it here. Yeah, very much. And uh, as always, um, leave your mark on this world. Have a great day and a great week. Bye-bye.